Ladies and gentlemen, after months of waiting, planning, hoping, one of the most unusual events in show business. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we're going to give you an update on last week's mystery record, We'll Hit the Trail, celebrate the birthdays of Al Stillman and Gone with the Wind, and get ready for the upcoming holiday. Last week's show started off with a record I found at an antique store a couple of weeks ago. It was a Columbia 12-inch test pressing and had no discographical information whatsoever on the label. I still don't know who recorded it, somewhere around 1926, but several listeners let me know right away that the tune was There's a Long, Long Trail. I hadn't heard it before, but turns out it's quite a famous song. The words were written in 1913 by Stoddard King and the music by Alonzo Elliott, better known as Zoe, when they were both students at Yale. They collaborated on the song, trying to win an all-expense-paid trip to Boston for the annual Zeta Psi Banquet. After Yale, Elliot went to graduate school at Trinity College in Cambridge, England, and would occasionally play the song at parties. It caught the attention of Claude Yearsley of West Limited in London, who published it, but it didn't sell well until it was picked up by British Tommies, who took it to World War I with them, singing it constantly. So, even though, like, it's a long, long way to Tipperary, it wasn't written for the war, it became one of the most famous songs of the Great War. It was published in the U.S. by Whitmark & Sons in 1914, who changed it from a marching song to a ballad, but it didn't become popular here until the American Declaration of War. In addition to commercial recordings, the song has lived on in film soundtracks and television shows from 1926 to as recently as 2015, including a surge of popularity during World War II. Judy Garland and Gene Kelly sang it in 1942's For Me and My Gal, and it was even sung by Lucy and Vivian in an episode of The Lucy Show. Irish tenor John McCormick recorded the song in 1917, and George W. Ballard made a very nice version for Edison in 1916, but perhaps the earliest U.S. recording is by Reed Miller and Frederick J. Wheeler. Yeah. 
Tenor Reed Miller and baritone Frederick J. Wheeler credited on the label of Victor 17882 as James Reed and James F. Harrison, and There's a Long, Long Trail, recorded September 9, 1915. The orchestra was conducted by Walter B. Rogers. I'm still hoping someone will be able to discover who recorded the instrumental version I played last week, and of course, if I find out, you'll be the first to know. As I mentioned, the words to There's a Long, Long Trail were written by Stoddard King, born August 19, 1889, in Jackson, Wisconsin, to Louis Andrew King and Clara Viola Stoddard. While he was a child, the family moved to Spokane, Washington, where his father worked for the Spokane International Railway as a freight agent. In 1907, King began work as a reporter for the Spokesman Review newspaper, and apparently made quite an impression on the paper's owner, William H. Cowles, who encouraged King to apply to his alma mater, Yale University, going so far as to loan the family money for tuition. While at Yale, King continued to write for the Spokesman Review and was an editor of the Yale Record and managing editor of the Yale Daily News. He was also a member of the Elizabethan Club and Skull and Bones and became a very popular writer for magazines across the nation. King graduated eighth in his class from Yale in 1914 with a degree in literature, and that same year he joined the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. After college, King worked as an associate editor for Harper's Weekly and served in the National Guard during World War I. In May of 1918, King and Elliott were awarded the Francis Joseph Vernon Prize for writing the best song illustrative of Yale life, ideals, and associations. Stoddard King eventually returned to Spokane, where he died on June 13, 1933, at just 43 years of age. Alonzo Zoe Elliott was born in 1891 in Manchester, New Hampshire. He received his higher education at Yale, Cambridge University, and Columbia Law School. Elliott also studied voice in New York and Berlin, and piano with Harry Whitmore of Manchester, New Hampshire. 
His best-known composition is There's a Long, Long Trail, but it's not the only example of Elliot's interest in military music. He composed an opera, Top Sergeant, and he wrote an article about the background of the Civil War song John Brown, which showed that the John Brown of the song was a soldier in Boston, and not the famous abolitionist of the same name. Zoe Elliott died in Wallingford, Connecticut in June 1964. Stoddard King and Zoe Elliott wrote several other songs together, including There's a Wee Cottage on the Hillside, Enchanted River, O O Abdullah, Roll Along Cowboy, and Tiddled Dio. Unfortunately, I could find no recordings of any of those. Now that you know more about The Long Long Trail, Stoddard King, and Zoe Elliott than anyone else in the world would want to, you have to know that the recording of There's a Long Long Trail is going to start a segment about trails. Here's Al Boley. Oh, yeah. 
Described on the label as an old-fashioned song with a dancing swing, that was the Stevens Trio with Along the Rainbow Trail, written by John Meyer, who also brought us Sunset Valley. That Edison record was made in West Orange, New Jersey on November 16, 1923, and we know Ernest Stevens was on piano, but who played saxophone and banjo is a mystery. The saxophone player was possibly Roy Thrall, an original member of the trio whose name appears on some labels of the trio's recordings. The banjo player might have been Mike Ahrens, also a member of the first trio. Ernest Stevens' birthday is December 15th, and you can bet he'll have his own segment on the December 16th show. Before the Stevens trio, it was the Arcadians Dance Orchestra under the direction of Bert Furman and At the End of the Lonesome Trail with the vocal by Maurice Elwin. Every week I say we play records on everything from Aeolian to Xonophone, and that Xonophone 78 was waxed February 12, 1930. I can't really picture Al Boley as a trailblazer, but he started off the set with Blazing the Trail to My Home. Backing Al on Victor 25282, made in New York on March 19, 1936, was Ray Noble and his orchestra. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week, June 26, marked the birth in 1906 in New York City of Albert Silverman. He's better known as lyricist Albert Stillman, the story being that early in his career, in order to change his luck, He changed his last name to that of James Jewett Stillman, who until 1908 had been the president and chairman of the board of National City Bank of New York, now Citibank. Apparently, the idea worked. After graduating from New York University, he contributed to Franklin P. Adams' New York Tribune newspaper column, The Conning Tower, and in 1933 became a staff writer for Radio City Music Hall, a position he held for nearly 40 years. He wrote or contributed to eight Broadway stage productions, wrote film scores, and with collaborators including George Gershwin, Arthur Schwartz, and Fred Allert, wrote dozens of songs into the 1970s. Al Stillman died February 17, 1979. Hits from the Stillman catalog include Chances Are, and It's Not For Me To Say, both made popular by Johnny Mathis, and Home For The Holidays, which he and Robert Allen wrote in one day. Stillman also wrote the now politically incorrect Rosie the Redskin, recorded by Midge Williams, and these. Tender rose no longer grows. 
I'll still be loving you When the sun shines bright In the hush of the night When all these things come true And when the very world Stops in its flight I'll still be loving you Thank you. 
love has found us Why does my heart beat now? Why is the world sweet now? You and I know There is a glow all around us Like a new dawn breaking Is it romance waking? You and I know Oh, this ecstasy That makes me cry It will stay with me Until I die It's so easy to see We were fated never to be Lonely Love such as this Only you and I know Morir y 
We rarely play Xavier Cugat on the show, but there he was on April 5th, 1937 with his Waldorf Astoria Orchestra, and It's No Secret I Love You. Ernesto Lecuona wrote the music and shares lyricist credit with Al Stillman. Ozzie Nelson was on last week's show, and there he was again with You and I Know from Bluebird 7169, recorded September 2nd, 1937, just a couple of weeks after Tommy Dorsey recorded it with Edith Wright. Arthur Schwartz wrote the tune, and Lawrence Stallings collaborated on the lyrics. Before Ozzy, it was Jimmy Dorsey and his orchestra with Helen O'Connell, who were in the middle of a dream on June 23, 1939. Brother Tommy also recorded In the Middle of a Dream for Victor about five months earlier on January 19th with Jack Leonard. Einar Aaron Swan wrote the music on that one. We missed his birthday a few months back, but he's in the database now and should get his own birthday salute next year. We started off our tribute to Al Stillman with Richard Himber and his Essex House Orchestra with I'll Still Be Loving You, recorded by Victor on June 21, 1938. Stuart Allen was the vocalist, and I'll Still Be Loving You was composed by Corrine Heiter. She will not be getting a birthday salute, because that's the only composing credit I could find for her. And that, assuming that Corrine Heiter was even a real person. Yesterday, June 30th in 1936, Margaret Mitchell's book, Gone with the Wind, was published in New York City. Some interesting facts about the book. Mitchell considered other titles for the book, including Tomorrow is Another Day, Bugles Sang True, and Not in Our Stowers. She sold the movie rights for $50,000, the most ever paid to that point for rights to a book. Mitchell was a 25-year-old journalist for the Atlanta Journal Sunday Magazine when she took a leave to recover from a series of injuries and started writing simply to pass the time. She spent 10 years developing the plot and characters, almost no one knew she was writing a book, and she didn't really intend to publish it. But it's a good thing she did, otherwise I don't know what the topic of this segment of the show would be. And so to commemorate the publishing of Gone with the Wind, here is Carl Ravel, and Gone with the Wind. I had a lifetime of heaven 
at my fingertips, but now all is gone. Gone is a rapture that thrilled my heart, gone with the wind. The gladness that filled my heart, just like a flame, love burned brightly then became an empty Dream that has gone, gone with the wind. Just like a flame, love burned brightly, then became an empty. Thank you. 
Just back in May, I played Off and Gone. Remember? That's right, by Art Kahn and his orchestra. Art Kahn wrote Off and Gone with Haven Gillespie, but we heard it there by Dan Russo and Ted Fiorito, credited on the label of Brunswick 2832 as simply Oriole Orchestra. That recording was made in Chicago on February 19, 1925. Before Off and Gone, it was Sonny Schuyler with Abe Lyman and his Californians, and just simply Gone. That was Lyman's first session with Decca on December 23, 1936. Gone is from the MGM film Love on the Run and was written by Gus Kahn and Franz Waxman. We begin that Gone with the Wind set with Gone with the Wind. The label credits Carl Ravel and his orchestra, but it's actually Carl Ravadza. Carl Ravadza and his orchestra played at the Chase Hotel in St. Louis, the Aragon and Trianon ballrooms in Chicago, the Black Hawk Hotel in New York, and the Lexington and St. Francis Hotels in San Francisco. But when they were booked at the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans, the owners changed his name to Carl Ravel. The following year, the band returned to San Francisco, once again under Carl's given surname, Ravazza. That American Record Corporation recording was made, along with five other issued sides, on June 4, 1937. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on iTunes as a podcast and part of the Global Community Radio Network. This coming Wednesday is the 4th of July, American Independence Day, and so for the rest of our time together, I thought I'd play some records appropriate for the holiday. Thank you. 
with propriety, society will say Marie, but it was Mary, Mary, long before the fashions came, and there is something there that sounds so square, it's a grand
Dewey started that 4th of July set with Billy James Dance Orchestra, credited on the label of that September 13, 1927 Banner 78 as the Six Black Diamonds, and Hello, Miss Liberty. The vocal duo was Jerry Macy and John Ryan. Miss Liberty is a very popular lady. There are at least four vintage songs with the title Hello, Miss Liberty, beginning with Thomas J. Gray and Fred Fisher in 1908. Cornelia Lamond Claxton and A. Leopold Richard wrote their Hello, Miss Liberty in 1919, the same year that Dave Brown wrote his. But all I could find for the version we just heard is that it was written by someone named Summers. Next was Sousa's band with a march you probably recognized, if not by its title, the Liberty Bell March, then as the theme song of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Sousa's band was conducted on that August 13, 1903 recording by Arthur Pryor. That was followed by Carol Gibbons in the Savoy Hotel Orpheans and a medley of two songs featured in the film Yankee Doodle Dandy, Yankee Doodle Boy, and Mary's a Grand Old Name, written by George M. Cohan. The vocalist was Edna Kay. We're looking forward to spending the 4th of July with family and enjoying the spectacular fireworks show put on by the City of Vista at Bringle Terrace Park. So we finished up with the original Memphis Five and Fireworks, written by Spencer Williams. Wherever you will be, I hope you have a safe and very happy holiday filled with quality time spent with friends and family. I'm Glenn Robison, and you've been listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week. And as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. (laughs) ¶¶ 